Behold, trapped in a hellscape of their own invention, socially unaware old white men bound by the pretense of being fake lawyers yet knowing no law, no exquisite Latin terminology, they are inexplicably compelled to quibble over minutia, squabble over triflings and bicker like those who value their backyards far too highly without even knowing the difference between an easement and an alleyway. At this very moment, you have entered the heart of the law offices of quibble, squabble and bicker. Let's get started. Welcome to another edition of the Law Offices of Quibble, Squabble, and Bicker with your hosts, Matt Brendan. I was going to say Grendon. <laughs> like combined Brendan, names. like Grindle and Brendery. <laughs> so, Matt, Greg, and Brendan here on uh, this September 1st, 2021. Labor Day is coming up. And uh, we have an extra special guest today in the form of John Velasco who is, uh, as one piece of uh, promotional material I read, is considered one of the greatest music publishers to have ever lived. And um, we're going to totally get very involved with his history um, for at least a brief period of time. But before we get too too much into it, we, uh, we do have our fake sponsor that is uh, supporting the show today. So... Um, I'll be uh, reading the the fake sponsor for today. So we got to pay our fake bills. After that's all. right. We are our fake bills are handled from our fake sponsor, and this is our fake sponsor's uh, promotional piece: family, friends, laughter. In good times, when laughing makes you thirsty, you want something delicious and refreshing. In these heartwarming moments, the thirst that brings us together is the thirst for a case of COVID cola. If you're feeling a little blue or even red. Two to 14 days after quenching your thirst with COVID Cola, your life will have new meaning when fever and chills arrive. Enjoy new muscle aches and fatigue. Your family will be right by your side as you appreciate nausea, diarrhea, and vomiting. COVID Cola is made with fresh cola nuts, vanilla, a hint of belligerence, and a healthy twist of denial. You deserve only the best when getting ice-cold hard facts from conspiracy kooks, right-wing pundits, and Joe the Drunk at your neighborhood bar. As we all know, vaccines don't work and sickness is a theory. And for you fatties, get diet COVID Cola with Delta variant sweetener. Your pounds will melt away with an extended stay at your personal suite and your local intensive care unit. Drink COVID Cola. When whistling past the graveyard, your whistle should be wet because that's all your experience when your senses of smell and taste disappear. All right, so there's our sponsor for today. Too soon, Matt. Too soon. Too soon. <laughs> That was for Brendan, who just got over COVID. So. Oh God! Yeah, I don't want to. I don't. I don't actually want to talk about it. But uh, well done. Since you, you gave me extra there. symptoms today, I wish I had known before. I would have added them onto this particular sponsor. That's so anyway, en enough. Enough of this silliness. Onward and upward to John Velasco, who um, signed. Yes, Black Sabbath, ABBA. Um, I think Davy Jones from the Monkees. Uh, and so many other people. And for me, I, I guess my biggest interest, because I've always wondered, how do you know you've got a hit band in front of you when you sign them? Hmm. you got no clue. <laughs> <laughs> no, what I've always, I mean, one, I've been incredibly lucky through the years. And two, I just, if I like it, I stick with it. And sometimes, I mean, even with a song, I mean, I'll have a song from... 10 years or further, which I'll always remember. And at some point I can use it. So it's it's really a lot of it's personal taste. And obviously I mess up quite a few times by missing things 
many years ago, this guy brought the girl into my office called polystyrene, and she was wearing a garbage bag. And I just didn't see it. And within a month when she signed to someone else, she was number one. So, I, you know. <laughs> From X-ray specs, polystyrene? Polystyrene and X-ray, yeah, you actually yeah. know it. So, wow. Yes, Greg uh, and Brenda probably very know her very was, well. That was a few years ago. Uh, was, Alcon Stewart was the guy that managed her. Look at that, I can remember it. But it was like, so you do, it's funny. I mean, I just love songs. And, you know, the whole thing is, yes, I'm a music publisher. I'm nowhere near the best music publisher in the world. If you like, I got one of the luckiest music publishers in the world. It's when I started, I didn't even know. I was making incredible decisions, which I didn't know were great decisions, totally by accident. <laughs> you know, it's, it's wonderful, because I was, like, thrown in the deep end. <laughs> well, it's my understanding that you, you your career actually started, you were in the theater. Were you in live theater, or were you looking to get well, into, I was like, live theater. I, okay. was, I did what they call weekly rep, which is the best way to learn, so that every, every week you do a different play. And I got lucky enough, within a couple of jobs, I was stage manager at Drury Lane, which is the biggest theater in England. And... Delphont, who owned it, Lord Delphont, one day just said, John, you're going to be with us forever. And that was the worst thing he could ever say. Because I looked around at these old guys and thought, no. <laughs> Get me out of here. <laughs> I'm going to die from the lead in the grease paint. I don't want to be here. <laughs> yeah, so again, I made a lucky choice. I went to the PR company, which was Cowan's, and asked if they needed a PR executive. And they said, we do. And I said, how about me? And they took me on. And I just, again, my clients were Peter Sellers, Sammy Davis Jr., Barbara Strong, Joan and Jackie Collins. I mean, it was ridiculous. Wait, and Peter so, Sellers was your personal client? Yeah, well, personal, yeah. I was within the, yeah, with the company I was looking after him. It was, I mean, great guy, hilarious. But suddenly I was thrown into this world and I realized that so, uh, yeah, I hated being on stage. I hate doing anything where I'm in the front of. And I realized I could talk really well for other people. And, uh, and, you know, and from that, one day I got a call from L.A. We got a young songwriter coming to town. Can you take care of him? And just, he's got no money. Just show him around and have fun. So I said, sure. And he and I became friends. And Jimmy Webb and I and a, his dad and a girl called Patty set up Canopy. So and Jimmy so, Webb, isn't that the guy um, who did songs for Glenn Campbell? Almost everywhere. In the first year, we had so many hits. I was a genius, and I had no. I mean, <laughs> you were you were un, a genius, unbeknownst to yourself. Oh, yeah, well, you think it was up, up and away by the time I get to finish Galveston, which is Lyman, MacArthur Park with Richard Harris. I mean, it was just rolling. Oh, no, you're responsible for MacArthur Park. <laughs> the cake was in the rain. What the hell? You sometimes feel guilty about that. Sweat. <laughs> what have I done? <laughs> oh it was another personal story it was like no it was hilarious so, and i made some real great decisions by accident like seriously so we were just turning things over and then uh, you know and jimmy is still i mean he's a wonderful writer but i was really getting into the i loved the business and you know i was having to turn down people that wanted to hire me or get involved with them so, I'm, so I'm sorry to interrupt, but I'm a little confused about what you're. So you took him on a tour of town, Jimmy Webb, and then somehow you wound up working with him. Doing what exactly did you do? Uh, music publishing. So you, were you publishing him, or I guess I'm just oh, yeah, I'm missing the stepping point there. That's all it okay. was. 
Got well, it. Was, I didn't know what publishing was even. It was sort of, hey, you want to, let's do a company and someone's going to look after my music and my songs. And so. So he know, liked we, you because you gave him a tour of London and well, said, take care of my music. Well, involved, but yes. <laughs> <laughs> oh. Great time. We were both young and it was funny. And obviously if I know known at the time the money could never stop which of course is ridiculous but it was those days in that and it was a really great grounding because you know I was between LA and London and I was really in my early 20s. What was your first ridiculous purchase with all the money that you got back then? What was the thing that you bought you had I shouldn't have bought this thing? No there's nothing I did shouldn't have bought well maybe <laughs> <laughs> no, I, I actually had the first year of the Jag XJ6 in 1968, and oh. I loved it. But then a friend of mine had a Bentley for sale, and it was an S2 Bentley, the old one with the double headlights. It's it's a classic. Anyway, I drove it for about six months. I loved it to death, and everyone kept saying, "You're too young to have a car like that." And I. <laughs> you know, I love cars, so I sold it. And the worst thing I ever did. And then next, the next year, I went. The, I heard the guy was going to sell it. And I rushed out and I went. I got to buy the car back. He said you can't afford it. And I said, What do you mean? He went. It was the last of the classics. That's worth like five or six times what I'd sold it for. Oh, God. Oh, no. Yeah, so I do do bad deals as well. Oh, that's... Yeah, thinking about it, that was the one I regret. That that was the time you weren't lucky, obviously. <laughs> uh, well, maybe. Who knows what happened to the car a week later. <laughs> that's true. <laughs> what was the... What artist, John, would you say surprised you the most? Were you signed someone, you were like, yeah, this person might have a small career. It's, it's worth my time. And then they just blew up beyond your expectations. That, did that ever happen? The biggest one, the others were creeping along and could see what was going to ABBA was the one. I mean, basically, I was friends with Stig Anderson when he had a publishing deal with him. And ABBA came along. They played me Waterloo. I loved it. But and it, they were in the Eurovision Song Contest with people over here. I'm not sure what it is, but you guys probably know. It's yeah, if I'm you get to the Eurovision Song Contest and make a hit, your hits all over Europe and Europe, Israel, it goes very wide. And this is a contest where every country has heats and they put in their country's representative that then goes into and panels all across the world though. And I, I knew that they didn't stand a chance because it was, wasn't like any song that had ever been there. It was too happy. They were wearing stupid bright clothes. And during the show, I was watching, I was not watching. I was talking to a friend behind me and he said, I can't believe how many votes you've got already. And I thought he was kidding. And I turned around and ABBA was like miles ahead of anything else. Now, were you was... interested in them mainly because you lived near Waterloo in London or? <laughs> no, God forbid. <laughs> <laughs> I think that could be the secret of being a successful music publisher. You just like a good song. And so many people forget about I the it. Yeah, I still. They care about the image and they care about some, all this other crap. It's like, no, just write a good song and, you know, they're successful, all of them, even if you look goofy. And it's interesting today. I mean, I was reading something that, that like, who's the most successful songwriter, you know, at the beginning of this year anyway? And a guy called Louis Bell. I hadn't heard of him. You guys probably haven't heard of him. He's had more hits in the top 10 with, you know, uh, Post Malone and Wow and these other it, People never ask who the songwriters are. And like Spotify, I think, only started about the beginning of this year. 
to put a songwriter's name with a song anywhere. No one cares. And I also, the one thing that worries me about a, a lot of music now, it's not much so much the song, it's the production. Yeah. And you, and you know, the old English thing was a hit song is the one that your milkman, when he's delivering your milk in the morning, he's whistling that song. You know, I, I watch uh, a, a channel on YouTube from a guy named Rick Beato. I don't know if you're familiar with him or not, but he does a lot of really interesting stuff regarding the music industry. And um, he's pr produced a number of different bands himself. He produced like Shine Down and what have you. And he, he interviews, he, I've seen an interview like Peter Frampton on his channel and, and he gets very deep into music theory and what have you. And his perspective is that, that auto-tune is what's really, what's killing the new artists these days. It's the over, he, he, he recommends auto-tune for certain things, but he says that auto-tune in and of itself is what's destroying new musicians because they don't have to try hard anymore in studio to create a good song. Yeah, you're right. I mean, again, to me, what you put with a good song is the emotion that goes with the song. And you're dead right. The emotion goes out of it. It's production. It's the feel. It's whatever's in there of effects and everything else. I like a clean sound that you know what they're singing about and why they're singing it. And they really care about what they're singing. How many people really care about what they're singing? And to me, it's just like wallpaper. It's just a lot of it is straight line hey, we're singing another song and we hope you like the hook um, without delving into it. I mean, a, a girl, which is the only girl I manage, and I said I'd never manage anyone again in my life, April Rose Gabrielli. And I love her to death. I mean, the first time I met her, I'd actually, someone dropped out of a charity concert I was doing and she, she stepped in. And I, I heard these songs and I was amazed. And over a couple of years, she's just got so much into doing, every song has a meaning. Every song is just like raw emotion. And she just did a show, Bitter End, and actually she did a show in Times Square and the director of the TV show ran up to me afterwards. He said, I've never seen a control room in all my years stand and applaud a singer after that. Wow, that's and significant. The difference was everyone else was miming to track. She refused, she sang live to track because the song meant something to her. So she's kind of a throwback then, because you don't really see those kind of artists. Anymore. You said her name is April Rose Gabrielli, and she's the only person you manage. Well, yeah, I managed her and, a and yeah, and Randy Edelman for 400 years, but you know, I've been <laughs> for 40 years. So. Oh, we had Randy on our show uh, a few months ago. Yeah, he's a I like him. He's fun. It depends on what your sense of humor is. <laughs> <laughs> we have the right sense of humor, I think. I, we yeah. enjoyed him. He, yeah, actually, no, good. he actually got me to buy a book about the Panama Canal, which is, I don't know. Oh, that's a big project, right. <laughs> I haven't done that one in a while. But, but anyway, um, getting into like what you're currently doing. Now, you're the CEO of a company called uh, MD25, right. as well as you're also with like Allied Artists Music Group, and you, you, your fingers in a lot of different pies, apparently. I get bored. No. <laughs> <laughs> it's like you should be retired by now, so... No, no I, I, I don't know what I do. I, I watch people retire and die. I was like, you know, like, I have too much fun. You know, people still laugh. My kids, I go to more clubs than my, or used to than my kids do. You know, it's like, I love music. I like hearing, seeing the new, I, I love sort of surprising people when I'll come back and say, did you know about, and I'll go, how did you know about them? Because I saw them and met them the other night. And no, it, I just love the business and, it's, it, it, my my friends get smaller and smaller of the people I trust, if you like. But the the 
clients, I call them out there, is I like to put teams together that can work together um, because then it makes a lot of sense because everyone has their sweet spots. And if you work with a company, you know what they're doing, you can put it to the company that what they're doing, it somehow makes sense. And it's a lot of fun doing it. So what would you say your actual superpower is? Because obviously you've been all over the spectrum musically in the, in the music business. Serious. I think it's being in the right place at the wrong, right time. And I'm so you're like networking is like your superpower, basically. Yeah, I, well, I like people overall. Mm -hmm. And if I like a person, I'll listen to them and I'll see yeah. what they've got to say and I'll help them if I can. And sometimes you don't get a thank you, but it's amazing how many times you've helped someone and a few years later they come and say, I have this great project. I only want to do it with you, which happened just about a month ago. Someone, a young guy was trying to get in the film industry and, you know, there's nothing. I, I introduced him around. He managed to produce a couple of things. He has a whole new project. And it's like, I won't produce it with anyone but you. This new project is doing. And it's like, I said, no, no, you don't have to do that. And it's like, I have to do it. He said, you don't understand because I wouldn't have been in the industry. And it was something, I, someone I met at a charity event and we just got talking and, and he was going totally the wrong direction on what he was trying to do. And I just introduced it to some people. It, I mean, you know, I, sometimes I have fights with my wife because, I, you know, I can't get up in the morning and distrust the world. I have to believe the world is rosy and everyone's wonderful. <laughs> and the reverse is my people I represent, I'll kill for them. You know, it's like, so it's like this alter ego. Me, I, you know, my line is now, you know, I'm getting old. If you want to rip me off, do it really quickly because I haven't got the time. <laughs> right. I got a few so minutes that, left. John, this might be controversial. Oh, go with it. I was going to say, so you, you brought up an interesting point about being lucky. Um, and, and luck is an interesting concept. My question is, obviously, there was something about these various bands that went on to become huge hits that you recognized in them what do you think it was was it uh just it it turned you on or there was some because uh, brandon it, is wondering about your choice of signing yes is basically it, where this it, is coming from oh, stop. no it's Still not with rick today i mean we've got a series on tv which we did which is fun called rick's place spelled p-l-a-i-c there's the fish we should take a Monty Python meets Daryl's play. So, Rick Wakeman's um, a funny guy. I've seen a number of interviews with him. He, so yeah, he's wonderful. After all these years, he's one of the greatest keyboard players you know I've met. So I have to be careful saying that because Randy's <laughs> pretty good as well. But uh, <laughs> multi keyboard players has that. But uh, no, I I think it's a uniqueness. Like with Sabbath, three people putting out that wall of sound without all the technology you have today and not being distorted is pretty wild. I mean, and I think the records, someone told me the other week, their records still sell about today what they did back then, their hmm. first albums. What was the first song you heard by them, John? Do you oh. remember the first time he, very first song? No, I, I really- Did yeah. you know them as Earth or as Black Sabbath? Which one, were, were you the oh, one Black who got them Sabbath. to change their name? No, it was okay. Black Sabbath. Okay. And, and the fun thing was, is when you think of it, we'd be doing like a concert in the forum or something, and Bill would run and call the farm in Warwickshire and say, how are the pigs doing? Are they forage yet? Is that I mean, the, the drummer? Yeah. yeah. <laughs> <Just> like, <laughs> that, thousands of people, superstars, how are the pigs doing? Are they forage yet? It's like... And so, you know, it, it was fun back there. Yeah. I did I, not know the drummer of Sabbath was a pig farmer. 
I didn't either. Well, they all came from the Midlands. They all came from Warwickshire. And that's why, I mean, you know, one of the greatest, I was telling you about my Jag, Ozzy got one of those first thing, and he tested it out by driving across the plowed field to see how far it could get. <laughs> what a hillbilly. And left it. It's like. <laughs> so who knew Ozzy was a redneck? Yeah. <laughs> so did you did you have to, uh, to deal with uh, when Black Sabbath ever misbehaved? Like, did you have to be the guy who they call? Like, yeah, they did. They trashed the hotel room. What are you going to do about it? A lot. I mean, yeah. There's a lot of storage which I can never ever tell. I mean, <laughs> oh come on. A, a, a quick fun one is that I made the mistake. I, I had a house in LA and I let them stay for a weekend because they were only in town for three or three days. I came back and. I forget whose birthday it was. It was one of their birthdays. Ozzy had chased him around the house with a can of blue spray paint. <laughs> and all the white walls were... <laughs> I mean, oh, my God. <laughs> they paid for it, but it was like... You, you can imagine. It was like, oh, my God. But it you were like, still relatively young at the time, too. So you were probably oh, like, yeah. okay. Oh, no, I, but they were a, a step... For, like, I, I lost my jeans one morning. I was trying to... get. He put them in the deep freeze and when breakfast, he stood them by the table because we had a long deeper. He stood them by the table. <laughs> he put your pants in the freezer? Yeah. Just, <laughs> I don't know. <laughs> Just, you <laughs> weren't still in them, were you? <laughs> no, it's a wonder. But, uh, <laughs> no, and then it, you see what's still one of my favorite bands that never went anywhere was Gentle Giant. I oh mean, yeah, they, yeah. They were like a, a pretty big. They have still have a pretty big following. East Coast, not West Coast. It was oh, very okay. weird. Um, but musicianship-wise, they were incredible. I mean, their songs were so intricate, and uh, so if you think of it, every one of the bands has got something totally different, which hadn't been there before. Now, were you the one who signed Jethro Tull, or is that somebody else? No, nothing to do with him. Okay, so, just because I know that Tony Iommi from Sabbath was in Jethro Tull for a brief period of time. Yeah. And so I thought it might have been right around that time. John, you period. probably noticed because of the YouTube thing and the, the young kids, if you will. There's like I, I hear the name Gentle Giant bandied around bandied about by these young hipster kids now. It's like it's like the, the good stuff will last thanks to YouTube. And I there's kids who like love that shit now. They're like oh, yeah, well, gentle giant. The amazing thing is they're actually playing it. They're actually doing it, which is like astounding. I know it's astounding to Derek and the guys anyway, because Derek's in New York and we're pals still. I mean, that's the nice thing. I've stayed friends with virtually everyone over years, which is fun as well. So I sort of made the right choices from a friendship standpoint as well, which is nice. That wasn't you, true that ABBA couldn't speak English at all and they just did phonetically yeah, their lyrics. Very, Is that true? Very bad English to be very, very bad. Stig used to um, obviously do most of their talking, but when I, I used to go out there each month to see, because in those days, what's the next single? It was single, single, single. And yeah. so I used to do listening. And no, it was both basically the meetings were with Stig so all the time. They must uh, rehearse the songs over and over again to have because their accent is barely detectable in their songs. Yeah, you know I, that's always amazed me with a lot of people in a lot of different countries. It's um, you know you'll have an American song and like in the Philippines, I was hearing things like were perfect, perfect American or English depending on what the song is. They start talking to you and you can hardly understand what they're saying. It's an interesting, I guess, they, it's, it's, it's like hearing another language almost, I guess. And so when they hear that song, they sing it exactly with the same intonations and everything. Yeah. 
Maybe it's it, like it, when it, people it, who stutter are able to sing and without a stutter, it's like something shifts yeah, I, in terms yeah. of how their brainwaves. I think I think I've heard a theory about that is that like the rest of the world grows up watching American entertainment and listening to American songs for the past 50 years. So they kind of know what English sounds like. So they can do they can do us way better than we can do them. He said yeah, English. I mean, look at these Japanese. The Japanese sing perfect English. They don't speak yeah. a word. Although, you know, with the, the lead singer of the Scorpions, you can definitely tell he's got a German accent when he sings in English. So sometimes it's... Yeah, I'm working with Bonfire right now, which is another old German band. And, oh, really thick German. Yeah. <laughs> which uh, yeah. makes it for, for a, a much more interesting soundscape whenever you're recording people with the thick accents yeah. as they're singing. Yeah. I, I was bringing Jethro Tull back into it for a minute. I saw an interview with uh, Ian Anderson where he was commenting on how Elton John would do this thing where he would sing with an American accent, which he never understood. It's like, why aren't you just singing normally? You know, so I don't know if you detect that with a lot of different artists or not. Uh, not so much nowadays, because yeah. back in there, it had to be American to get a hit. If you think okay. about it, all the hit American songs were being covered by the British acts, which became stars. And no one ever remembered. I forget what it was. We were in the car the other day and there's this song from years ago with an American act I'd never heard of, but we knew it was Dusty Springfield that had the hit in England with it, which is, you know, which is very odd, but it, it's true. It used to, it used to happen a lot more back then, but uh, I, I don't think it matters so much now because you have to be quirky and have whatever you want as an accent. I read somewhere that a music critic who wasn't even that impressed with punk rock when it came out, said that the one thing about the Sex Pistols was for the first time an English act was singing with an English accent. <laughs> he was like, wow, they sound English. And the bass sound American. The ba Bay City Rollers as well, if you remember that. <laughs> oh, it, yeah. Yeah, Bay City Rollers were really English with a, you know, a total Cockney accent on it. A few, there were a few back then that were doing it. Yeah. You know, the funny thing with, with Elton, when he was Reggie, he was a keyboard player for some of Jimmy's, Jimmy's productions, which is weird. With oh, me. for like... Uh, for. Uh, like a fifth dimension or with Glenn Campbell, he was a keyboard player. Yeah, that was with Thelma Houston. So, oh, okay. So, yeah. He was Reggie back then. So I think he should go back to being Reggie. I, it would just to shock the world. It would be, I know, that would be like the new incarnation of Elton John. He's like, no, no, just call me Reggie now. It'd be like John Cougar going back and to And then he could show. tour with the Archies and then, um, <laughs> oh, God. <laughs> <laughs> that's my Reggie comic and the book Veronica's. callback. Right. Oh, <laughs> <laughs> so Sabrina the Teenage Witch. So right now, um, do you have any major productions going on? Um, on 9-11, I'm producing for Soho Johnny, you probably know about. We're doing a whole charity concert for, um, what's it called? Oh, God, for Operation, I wish you see, I should remember. War Operation Warrior Shield. Warrior it's, Shield. It's amazing. They're the guys that train the dogs for wounded veterans and oh. it's brilliant. they do them all you know some can open a fridge and get them food out it, it, it's amazing how they train these animals so it's uh it's in manhattan at rummy r-u-m-i on 9-11 i think it's the only one it's fashion week as well so it's going to be like a celebration as well there's going to be people on there there's one girl singer who lost her mother at 9-11 as well so there'll be a little actually brand is going to be on there as well doing some patriotic so so it's going to be 
a celebration and you know and a memorial at the same time. It should be a very interesting evening. The mix. And, and where can people tune in or watch this? Is it? But it's uh, the best place to go. SohoJohnny.com. All one oh, word. Okay. SohoJohnny.com. And all the information's on there. You can buy tickets. You can find the streaming info and everything else. So it's this is actually there. happening in a little, little less than two weeks. That's right. The panic is yeah. on. <laughs> <laughs> so you said it has to do with fashion week. Does this mean that you're going to be dressing in like haute couture or something? Like, do you sure. get Much like one of those shirts that's see-through and they'll get to see John Velasco's nipples or something? Is so old Johnny going to make you wear a crazy hat? <laughs> I mean, it's a, yeah, I, no, I'd never, I'd probably a different color t-shirt. <laughs> I'm always the one in the background. They try, I mean, Eileen tries to push me on red carpets and stuff. It's like, no, or I disappear. <laughs> they got away actually with having a birthday celebration this year, but people have tried to do that before and I've actually walked out on them. <laughs> like it's, you know, someone said I, many years ago to the fifth dimension and someone was like, we want to take you out on the birthday. I said that fine. It was in LA and I'll never forget it. We went to this restaurant and I saw them whisper in a corner after the main course. And I went to the bathroom and never came back. I was having phone calls. <laughs> and I didn't say, where are you? I said, I'm back in my apartment. He was like, but we were going to do. I went, I know that's why I'm back in my apartment. I told you. <laughs> so it's interesting that your career started in the theater. So when you say started in the theater, were you backstage as opposed to on stage? In weekly rep, you have to do everything, which is okay. really strange. You have to act, you have to do backstage, you have to do props, you have to do paint scenery, you have uh -huh. to do everything. Uh, I found out within the, what I knew ahead in the first two days, I hated being on stage. Oh, it was okay. painful, I used to not sleep. So they put me in like a walk on where I'd walk along the back like Hitchcock and out the other side. So it was, uh, no, but that's where I learned stage management. And that's why the next thing I went to was, Chichester Festival Theatre, which is a big festival every year, where major directors and the biggest stars from John Gielgud, it's they appear, and they just do two, two, two plays, which was like a rest, and they do them, I do one, the other company does the other, and I was lucky, and the director of that um, was the guy that uh, his next thing was going to be at Drury Lane, and he took me with him to run the show. And you're like, thank God, I don't have to act anymore. Well, no, I, after I said, <laughs> that was the one thing in my brain before I left Weekly Breakfast, you'll never do this again. <laughs> what years were you, was this in the early 70s? Yeah. Yeah. Did you ever work with Mike Lee, the famous theatrical and movie director from England? I Mike Lee, or is it Lee or Lee? Hmm. You're you know? saying Mike Lee, okay, like sorry. he's kind of like a Mike. You're making him an adverb, Greg. I, I'm I'm sorry to be indulgent, but I just discovered this guy, and he's so amazing. I was just curious if you know oh. him and if you had any tales of him. No, we can move on. Sorry, I'm going to look it up. No. <laughs> yeah, let's move on. Mike Lee is. Yeah. I don't sorry. know who that is. It's it's basically Greg's creating an adverb out of the name. It, no, it's Bruce Lee's brother. <laughs> The great Kung Fu oh, in English. The, the Kung yes. Fu Englishman. <laughs> it was spelled L-E-I-G-H. I, I think it's Lee or Lee. I don't know how to pronounce it. Yeah, that's Lee. Yeah. Yeah, so, so I have a question. So of, you obviously you have this expanse of bands, uh, amazing bands that you've signed and managed. If you had to pick a favorite, who would it be? Whew. I know that's a tough one. 
it's really tough because they're favorite different. based upon your own musical tastes. Yeah. Yeah. And, you know, it, that's the trouble. I'm so eclectic in my day. I mean, they, like if you want for, for fun times, it was when I managed Tommy Boys and Davy Jones. With that. that was really fun. Oh, yeah. It was those days and it was hilarious. And there's a lot of stories again I can never tell, but it was just fun, happiness and everything else. Tina Turner, for, from a sheer, like a friendship and a work ethic, she was stunning. I mean, incredible. Her work was amazing. Was Tina solo or Tina with Ike? No, no, Tina. That's, okay. I, I took Tina at the point they split up. We moved okay. to England, took all her credit cards away and built her up again. Oh, yeah, you were that better. guy. I saw the documentary. Okay, now I know. Got oh, it. So it was basically, yeah. Ah. And, uh, then if you like, as just really amazing talent and the sad thing that was a lot of it was wasted was Marvin Gaye. Yeah. Very I awesome. love Marvin Gaye, but we used to have toe-to-toe rows. I mean, toe-to-toe rows. It was like, you know, it's, you know, you don't have any respect for me. I have zero respect for you because you're not doing what you should be doing. You're like the most talented people in the world and you keep checking out. Wow. And so it used to really infuriate me because just sheer talent, charisma on stage, everything. He was just amazing. So, you know, that's why I know it's a multi-leveled answer. No, it's, it's fine. It's, yeah, that makes sense. It, it's really, you know, and again, you know, band-wise, fun, Sabbath. Seriousness, gentle giant. You know, it's an, and showmanship, yes. I mean, I, I think that was really what I did. No one had, you know, Rick particularly, no one had looked like that. I, I mean, it's a funny Rick story. We were doing a big show. Actually, it was the Forum in L.A. And before everyone in those days were on microbiotic diets, apart from Rick. So he and I borrowed a roadies car. We drove through the crowds to a nearby bar. And we had steak and beer and stuff. And all the time we're sitting there, there's these loud remarks from people going to the show, like, look at that idiot over there trying to look like Rick Wakeman. And, <laughs> and it, it was wonderful. We're sitting there like, carry on, guys. And we drove through the crowds back. And Rick actually said something on stage, like, you know, it was great meeting you guys back in the bar. Because it, <laughs> it was just wonderful. Because obviously there's no way that Rick was sitting in that bar with the show going to start in an hour's time. Right. But, <laughs> Well, I liked it how it was just the two of you eating meats when everybody else was like was eating healthy oh, in the band. They were all super healthy. Lean germ. <laughs> yeah. yeah, so it was. So it was a really well Rick's like a big guy and everybody else is like tiny people, I think, and yes. That's that that's right. <laughs> but uh, yeah. And so well, this does bring us to the to the halfway mark where um, we're gonna be addressing our client for the day. And our client for today is hinges, bottles, and other miracles. And uh, I, I know you might have to leave to, to talk with your grandson, but I was wondering if um, you know of any particular overlooked inventions in the music business that don't get enough credit that like revolutionize things within music for you personally. Auto tuning. Mm. Uh, the Mellotron. The Mellotron. Now, what exactly is a Mellotron? The Mellotron was the amazing miracle that happened when some clever person put a keyboard together with actual tapes in there of different sounds and different clips. Oh, like Paul McCartney used to play with? Yeah, so you could play it, you could press a button and sound like an organ, you could press a button. It was incredibly complex. It was called the Mellotron. And it really, everyone 
it was a magic machine that everyone had to see. And no, like, no one knows about it now. But it, for a moment in the history of the music, the Mellotron was huge. <laughs> so it had like its, its day for about a year or two? Yeah, because then people realized, yeah, this is a great idea and we can make it better by putting circuit boards in. <laughs> so that's of- how synthesizers came about. Was because It was like the step before the synthesizer was the Mellotron? Yeah, yeah, it was the first time someone tried to put samples and things into an actual keyboard. As far as So I was know. the Mellotron after the Moog? No, far, be- far before that. Moog okay. was all, that's electronics. Okay. Uh, that was before people could do the sounds electronically. So like I say, it was virtually tapes inside a machine, little boxes of tapes that would spin. And it, it's an incredible invention. Yeah, you should you just check it out. because it, it was weird. I can remember when I first went to a studio and actually the studio that it was first in was this really nice little guy who came up with a real stupid thing. He came up with amplifiers painted orange. And we used to say, Cliff, you know, it's a great sounding amplifier, but what band in the world is going to go we'll use an orange colored amplifier? Are you talking about orange crates? Yeah. Talking about the the orange, the company. The company, orange. Yeah, yeah they're, they're I, everyone now, if you can get your hands on one of the old original, you're a hero. You can't get, but we yeah. used to, Cliff Cooper, really sweet guy, lovely chap. He had a little studio at the back of his garage and he used to make these little amplifiers. So it was hilarious. Wow. So, and he just colored them orange, and that was the shtick. Huh? Yeah, and we all was the branding. But I mean, the thing itself was amazing because he was an electronics guy. That's why he had a Mellotron in his studio. But you know, he did it. But we said, "This is such a great amp. But why is it orange?" <laughs> Imagine in those days, it had to be cool and black because <laughs> you didn't want it to like overshadow the people on the stage i guess you didn't want it to so that's why the roadies are always wearing black so you can only see their heads floating across the stage yeah but they make sure they spend enough on stage so people see who they are right <laughs> and then you have people like rush who then put washers and dryers on stage in their later days and that just changes everything <laughs> and what's the band that you really wanted that got away that somebody else took from you Queen. Queen. So you had an opportunity oh, to sign Queen? Virtually everyone in the industry did. This guy called Jack Nelson was shopping them around. It was probably one of the most incredible things I heard, that, the, the tapes he was playing. I'd call around and everyone was going, oh, this is like a fantastic band. Everyone loved them to death. But no one could sign them. He was asking at that time, and I'm being conservative, at least 20 times what any band had ever got for an advance. And we're all, if you like, talking to me saying, we really want this band, but there's no way we could ever justify this. And a friend of mine, and I can't tell you the company was working for it, knew he was about to be fired. <laughs> so he signed them. <laughs> so to totally screw up the company. <laughs> And he was fired. But <laughs> and he made the company more profits by than anything. That's was, precisely exact opposite happened. Wow. <laughs> and that's how they got signed. But no, I mean, I wish I could have signed them because like everyone else, it, 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 the minute you hear it, it was just, it was so different. Again, I tell you, I love different things. And it was different. It was unique. It was something that I hadn't ever heard before. No one. Well, you totally missed out not signing the Weird Love Makers because they were going to be big. Oh, okay. (laughs) I should look them up then quick. (laughs) 
You'll find Greg's face associated with him, actually. Yeah, don't look it up. You'll be very disappointed. <laughs> anyway, I, I totally went off the client like almost yeah. immediately. Hey, hey, John, do me a favor and kiss your grandchild for us. <laughs> what? Give what did you say, Greg? Kiss, kiss your grandchild for us. Give him a for kiss. Us. Yeah. I'm sorry. I'm sorry. I do have to rush off. Yeah. <laughs> I was telling the guys. Uh, my son gave me a, or my son and daughter in law gave me another grandchild yesterday. So I have to zip away into yeah. that. Well, hopefully the grandchild time. is associated with you instead of they're just giving you random grandchildren from yeah. who knows where. Yeah. I say it was pretty easy for me. It's just like, okay, is that good? I'm <laughs> oh, I got a new one. I just yeah. showed up today. Well, thank you very much. Is there anything in particular you want to promote or a website that you want to plug before you go? I'd love you to look at SohoJohnny.com um, just because of the 9-11 show. And please look at April Rose Gabrielli because I tell you, she's raising, rising up the charts. The airplays have gone. I think she's number 26 on the airplay charts, right? She's just going from nowhere. She's been performing for years, but backing up with other bands, being the keyboard player of different bands. What what is her website? Do you know? Uh, 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 April Gabrielli. <laughs> Gabrielli. All right. Everybody, figure out how to spell that. If, yeah. If, if, if you're Italian, you'll be there. <laughs> well, I mean, I mean, Matt, on the on the YouTube version of this, you can put that probably in the description. Yeah. Yeah, I could. I could do yeah, that. Yeah, all right. She's the same. April Rose Gabrielli on everything. But uh, or just look her up in, on YouTube. Uh, she's uh, at the church. She's out there. And the song's called "Do You," and it's a it's it's a video and a song, and it's it's really special. I'm I will leave you with that. I wish I could sing it for you, but I can't. <laughs> <laughs> well, I greatly appreciate you having you on, John. It's a it's yeah. a, an honor to have somebody who's an absolute music legend with us today. So, um, even though you're an unknown legend, the fact no. is your career is legendary. If people were to look at it, they'd go. This is pretty spectacular. So kudos to you, Mr. Velasco. Yeah. I mean, obviously your Mills. humility is is quite large as well. So he's the the most humble of all music publishers. Maybe we'll just put that yeah. out there as oh, opposed to the I'll greatest. Take that. <laughs> all right, guys. Thank you so much. All right, thank you. All right, thanks. Thanks, thanks for being here. Bye. All right. Hinges, bottles, and other miracles. That is our client. I glad he brought up the Mellotron. Never would have thought of that one as a uh, yeah. as a potential miracle that has not been recognized in its prime. So um, hinges, I think, are, are definitely things that are unappreciated in terms of adventures. You know, they're, so before they're hinges, taken for granted. We, before hinges, what, were there doors? Did they have an, a shittier door? I don't what know. What was the version of a door? I'm like, they, they would have to have a door. Maybe they just like something you lifted out and put to the side. And then you I had guess, to put it yeah. back in again. Yeah. You, know? you could have had you could have had a sliding door. Yeah, like in Japan. That would be a different invention. That's a different invention. But that was I'm before saying, hinges. I bet that's 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 not a hinge. It's a. It, 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 it could be <laughs> it's like a tongue be, and groove. Yeah, it could be what you're talking about, except you know it had a kind of place to go. You weren't just like being a caveman and lifting it yeah. up. And, leaning against the wall and then picking it up and putting it back you could have slid it into some slot actually that makes me think about like the very first door was created so like you are a caveman and you're in the cave 
and you're freezing your butt off because there's this wind coming in and you're like, okay, so what do you do when you that's happening? You roll the boulder over the hole of the cave? That's a whole night. different religious connotation. But yeah. <laughs> but yeah, no, I mean, obviously at that point you would have just taken some thing and then put it over the hole of the cave and went, uh, good. <laughs> Is that the noise they would make? Yeah, no, that's, that's uh, totally good. Yeah, that, that was a uh, that was Neolithic for door closed. Uh, Shut the door. Uh, Shut the front door. Go, well, go. maybe they would hang like a blanket or something in front furs. of it, or, but then they would have to create a blanket or yeah, yeah I guess we have fur. furs. We haven't. Maybe they just have the carcass yet. of a giant bear or an elephant. That they... saber tooth <laughs> and you know it'd be something they could actually gnaw on during the course of their um their stay in the cave there's so many chunks of flesh on the pelt it's like little pieces I'm like okay but it's keeping me warm too so you know until it yeah. actually goes bad and then i'll have to find a new cave because yeah. it stinks too much for them to stay in that particular when was cave. the hinge invented matt did you look this I, up? I have no idea when the hinge yeah, was like, invented. i can't even imagine it must be a long time ago <laughs> no that was just yesterday no, I think they had doors for... The actual beginning of the hinge is unknown, but the first traces of the hinge date back to 1600 BC. What? Discoveries in Hattusa, an ancient eastern capital, showed early forms of hinges being used to make massive objects mobile. Uh-oh, we've lost wow. Brendan. Is Brendan still here? He once had his finger caught in a hinge. He's a little triggered right now, I think. <laughs> I think he must be uh, doing what you normally do when you disappear, which is probably going to the bathroom or something. Yeah. Yeah, but I mean, yeah, you don't think about how great the hinge is. And uh, like uh, earlier, you suggested maybe talking about the aglet. The aglet. It's a aglet. The aglet's amazing. Like, how did you tie your shoes before that if they came out? It must have been like, yeah. Well, you just didn't have holes that were that tiny, I think. You know, you had bigger holes to tie the laces through. No. You know, but yeah, or they probably licked them. Yeah, but so those who don't know, an aglet is the little plastic piece that is at the end of a shoelace. So that yeah. is an adventure. Somebody invented that. Which makes it way easier to tie your shoe because I actually sometimes don't have money to buy shoelaces. So I have like old shoelaces that have been ripped in half. Yeah, but then you use them to keep your glasses on your head. You don't even have any aglets on the shoelaces that are on your glasses. I don't need aglets for my use. There's no aglets on here. But um, I've had shoes where I still have to do that. I have to lick it and be like, shove it through. You've got it's actually normal. a good T-shirt slogan just there, Greg. I don't need aglets. <laughs> you think that would sell? <laughs> it would. That'd be a big one. I don't take, need aglets. Take that, the man. Fucking aglets. aglets. Damn aglet entrepreneurs you, out there. Man. Multicolored aglets, different flavor aglets. The big aglet concerns out there trying to dominate our lives. The great aglet to... conspiracy that's behind yeah. everything in the world right now. The Freemason yeah. aglet. Aglet. I just like you hear saying aglet. It sounds funny <laughs> saying aglet. It, it kind of makes you think it's like a small animal, like a you know, there's piglets, so an aglet should be like the smaller version of some particular. Maybe it's a smaller version of an aardvark is an aglet. You know, I like a baby aardvark is an aglet. I keep calling stuff back, but we had an invention show, our very our second show or first. We talked about inventions. I think it was our second one. I got the concept wrong. But to me, the best invention that nobody really likes acts like is that important is just recording music. That is still like, 
I that's the main reason I don't want to live before, you know 400 years ago like you can't just listen to music when you want to any song recorded music to me is well, I think not recorded anything that was could only be seen with the senses or, or experienced with the senses outside of um, you know something created yeah. that has been put onto a different medium I find yeah, like kind of amazing. Well, pictures, for example, yeah, like something that yeah. you see somebody was able to translate onto a piece of paper yeah. somehow, which yeah. to me is, I think, even more kind of amazing than recording of music. But I could live without that. I could live without even movies, uh, without music. It's like that to me is just like I, I picked that over all the other recorded There would still be arts. music without recordings. Yeah, yeah. But it would be really hard. You'd have to pay musicians if you don't have any talent to come to your house it's like having music recorded. I can be this poor guy who has. Wait, Brendan is pointing songs. at his phone for some reason. I'm just saying, you guys are talking about like music recording. Like that's super fucking amazing. That's not that challenging. I this this fucking thing. And everybody is, who's listening and not that. watching this on YouTube is he's referring to his nostrils. But people do appreciate. This, it. Okay, shut up. It does get lauded. This iPhone, this yes. smartphone is an amazing device. It is practically turning human beings into cyborgs. We're just we're but it's just not, not unappreciated. Those are definitely appreciated. We're looking at like no. under underappreciated, overlooked are, are, are inventions. They? Are like they? Adlets. Are they? Yeah. Under, I don't think they're. I Take think away they're somebody's hinge, and they won't feel the same way as taking away their phone. Eh, One requires a lot more attention. I go to East Hardware and buy a really cheap hinge and fix my door. Yeah. But your iPhone, you're kind of lost with that. I know. When my phone dies, I have no computer. I can't call anyone. I can't find out where to get my phone fixed. I'm fucked. <laughs> you can't if my find phone dies, get... yeah, because I don't have a computer. You'd have to talk line. to a neighbor. I don't have a landline. <laughs> I'm just I saying. Maybe I'm neighbors saying... are the most overlooked invention. I'm saying underappreciated has something to do with your age. Like we're all being like 50 year old going, Hey, that the recording device is amazing. You can hear sound from, and, and, and that's you know, we're not that old. I mean, that came about like over a hundred years that's, ago. That's why I'm saying like, what the fuck are you guys talking about? When <laughs> this cell phone is amazing. And right now you couldn't give a shit. That it's so amazing. I you're, do. You're just, you're just like, oh my god, my fucking service. I can't get my emails. Fucker. It's underappreciated how fucking astoundingly, yeah. awesomely magic this cell phone thing is. Do you guys remember the simple thing of our generation? Of like, do you remember getting lost? That was a thing. Getting yeah. lost. Like, remember? Can, remember? Can you still get lost, Greg. Remember Max anymore? It's impossible to get lost. No, I, I remember. I, I I'm talking to my adult children recently about the power of maps. Like back in the old days, behold the power of maps. We we would have to unfold these fucking things and then <laughs> try to figure it out, and somebody would have to be doing that shit. Well, somebody was driving, and oh my god! Well, no, god. you just did it on your steering wheel. That's how I did it. 
depending upon the map. Like, you know, here's the you know like how old I am. It's like I had appreciation for different brands of maps too. <laughs> it's like there was the Thomas Guide, which I hated, and then there were the Macmillan maps, which were great yeah, for driving with because they had others. the big pages. Whereas the Thomas Guide, you had to flip to all these other freaking extra pages because they made the page too small, so you couldn't really find the thing as easy as you could on the others. But anyway, yeah. So though. So, but maps, you know, if everything goes to hell, everybody's screwed if they're trying to get to somewhere. Like, that's the thing they never talk about in these zombie apocalypse things is the fact that they don't have any maps to find the next town anymore because it's all on their phone. Does anybody have maps anymore? Do you guys have maps? In your, I think like, they still sell them at 7 Eleven. I think I'm they still. You. I, I don't know. I don't have a map. Well, I you might have it in a box way. somewhere, but. That's what I mean, yeah. Yeah, I don't have I don't have a map in my car. If my phone, if my GPS broke down and I was in the middle of fucking someplace I didn't know, I'd be fucked. I'd yeah, to, if the phone I died, I could do. still do it with my car's GPS, but uh, not with the if the phone died. Yeah, car, same difference. Well, no, the difference is with the car; it's internal with the uh, car. It doesn't have to yeah. get a cell signal. I know. Yeah. I don't have GPS. A, I have. I don't have a cool car like that. I have an old car. Yeah, well, mine's What's a like car? seven years old too. So, well, my car is twelve years old. So, oh, it doesn't, okay. it doesn't, it doesn't come with that. Yeah, I don't have a cool car either. You don't know you how have, to drive. You don't even know how to yeah, drive, Greg. You, For you, the invention is your feet. Yeah, thank <laughs> God they invented walking. <laughs> Great invention. Actually, you have a bicycle. So, what is a bicycle like? An underappreciated invention these days? It's it's good to have, but it's not that great. Yeah. You, you know, you know what's I think an unappreciated invention is glasses. Yeah. All I appreciate us, mine every I know, freaking all, day. I know, but all three of us wear glasses and appreciate them, sure. But <coughs> do we really appreciate them? Yeah. I mean like take them out to dinner and show them how much we care? Yeah. yeah. Like, you know, give them a reach around. Rub <laughs> them, rub one out with them. Yeah, let I mean? me let me show you something, glasses. I'm gonna do something special for you. I'm just saying that glasses are amazing and that somebody figured that out. I guess maybe I don't understand the, the client, but to, to me, somebody who went, oh, and then and made, <laughs> After made they went, and then made glasses and you're like, yeah. oh, now I can see. That's a fucking miracle. A lot of these things are miracles in terms of how they were created. You know, it's like, how but does I, somebody know to do that with glass? But sand. I'm just saying yeah. a hinge, a hinge yeah. is not a miracle. I can figure out a hinge. What? If you were a metal worker, can you can you work metal? You can make the hinge. When's the last thing that you figured out that nobody else had figured out to solve a problem in your life? But he invented Spotify, Brendan. No, no, that's not my point. You're both are getting off the point. The point is that glasses are a miracle a hinge is something a caveman can figure out that's right. how, <laughs> how, so how can a caveman figure out a, a hinge okay so matt google when hinges were invented did. i did and it was what it was 1600 bc okay when were glasses invented uh, Eight, probably in the 1700s i would think oh, something yeah, ben like franklin that. had them duh yeah, duh, so, you know. duh. So that's oh, my. But they were probably invented around 1285. The what? various sources suggest an earlier origin. Glasses. So my point is, 
a caveman did invent a hinge. It did. Caveman did not invent glass. The Romans first discovered the ability to use glass to enhance their ability to see small things, apparently. Like a magnifying so, glass. So the Romans perhaps. may have come across it by accident. You know. So okay, right. so you're looking at accidental inventions, maybe, as opposed to deliberately created well, inventions. They become inventions. Well, I mean, I can see Brendan's point in the sense that, you know, the hinge was created to solve a problem of opening and closing a door, maybe. Maybe that's what it was yeah. used for. I don't know. Whereas glasses, somebody would have to accidentally find out that sand could be turned into glass, for one thing. And then that there's different gradations of it that can affect how you see through it. And that would be like a different miracle that would have to occur, a different discovery that yeah. would have to occur. Right. right. I'm just saying I'm just saying that that's like levels of like what the fuck figure out. Whereas a hinge, you're like, I I have thing and I, I have to turn. And then I I I, I if I can make thing that that turn, then that, you know, that's pretty that's super mechanical. And but then he said, Wilma. Like, it wasn't yeah, accidental. Yeah, to go like, okay. You know what? We can make glass. But it's still kind like, of a miracle device for somebody to have to be able to use whenever they first invented it, though. You know, and oh, like for sure. everybody else who didn't have that thing, suddenly it's like this world changer. It's like, wow, I don't sure. have to roll the boulder in front of my cave anymore. Yeah, you were you the know? most I can popular. close my hobbit hole. You were the most popular Fred fucking Flintstone <laughs> on Bedrock. You were the Albert Einstein. Of sure. uh, bedrock of hinges, right? So I guess I guess from an underappreciated perspective, I'm talking about underappreciated. In fact, in the in the fact of how miracle bullshit it took to get to that point. I think those right, which does come back though. to Greg's point regarding recordings, though. So in, in, in photography, it's how did somebody think to? I'm yeah. looking at this tree with my eyeballs, how can somebody go, all right, now I could transfer this image that I'm seeing onto a piece of paper or the voice coming out of somebody's head don't know how it works. onto know how works. a piece of uh, vinyl or, or plastic or whatever. Oh, yeah. No, you know? if, 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 if we got fucked and had to go back in time and try to figure all this shit out, we'd all die. Yeah. We wouldn't have I mean, any of this. Except for the engineers. Those guys would know all the basics. I don't know if so. photography works now. I have no idea. It's magic. It's sorcery to me. I don't <laughs> understand what a camera does. Right. Okay. But and most people don't. I mean yeah. most most people don't. Well I even we, took a photography class and I can't remember how that works. <laughs> it's like yeah. I, I have, I've developed photos with chemicals and I still it's baffling to me. Well, that's what I'm saying. I'm like a digital guy. Like, I understand computers and stuff. And this stupid cell phone thing is like, how the fuck? I don't even understand. Well, even within your cell phone, there's so many underappreciated inventions inside of that cell phone. Right. 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 Absolutely. The flashlight app. You got a flashlight. You got a camera. You got a recording device. God, you got software, you got, you got, an older friend of mine uh, refers to it as your pocket brain, which I thought was kind of funny. It's like, oh, are you going to look that up on your pocket brain? Because you do, you're like, oh, 
what the hell is that? Uh, oh, yeah, okay. Yeah, it's now not really I... a brain. It's kind of like calling an encyclopedia a brain, though. I mean, there's so many different things. That... I call it the mother box. The mother box? <laughs> yeah. Because box. it birthed you? Oh, there's a there's a early 70s comic book by the king of comics, Jack Kirby, and this, it was science fictional. And they had this concept. It's very much like the cell phone. It's just this little box. For some reason, it would always ping it was go ping, 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 and you could ask it anything. That's it racist. That is so racist, all, Greg. It had all the world's what, what, knowledge in it. I, I missed he something. Invented what was the racist? The what ping, ping part is the racist part. Is that is that a slur? Ping. Hey, yes, you yes, ping. it is. It's racist you against. Ping, get out of my it's racist oh, against no, pandas. No, no, no ching chong, ching chong, ching chong. That's racist. There you ping go. Ping is not racist. <laughs> it's racist bring, against pandas. Bring the noise. What the fuck does pandas have to do with ping? Well, see, that's the problem, is that you don't know that. And so that's the bigger issue. That's the overall issue. You're appropriating panda culture, Matt. That's what you're doing. <laughs> yeah, I, I don't understand. I think the fact that uh, our, our pictures behind my shoulders are basically the same colors as pandas. Hey, guys, can I do a quick aside? You know, we talk sometimes about, like, cultural appropriation. Got to be quick, though, stuff. Greg, because we have It'll another guest today. I just saw Paul Simon from the 80s on Saturday Night Live. I was just like, I don't really truck with this whole idea of cultural appropriation, but this is like it's it's him with forty black guys on stage, and they're doing all the good singing, and he's just writing this crappy song over it, and he's the star. And I was just like, okay, I guess that's. Are you talking about the diamonds on the soles of your exactly. shoes? Exactly, Ladysmith Black Mombazo. That's the song. Yes, and I don't I know if that was like, appropriation if they're the ones performing. Yeah, but he's singing the song. You should credit them. It just says Paul Simon. It doesn't say Paul Simon and Lady Smith Blackman Bazo. It's just like they're his pips, like Gladys Knight had. He treats them like the pips. It's like, no, everyone's there to see. They're the beautiful part of the song. Now, how is that an invention that's underappreciated? Greg? I'm sorry. I just said I was going on the uh, I'm, I'm just saying those people didn't have the opportunity to be on the stage on Saturday Night Live if it wasn't for Paul Simon. This is true. So whatever <laughs> whatever okay, is a good tangent. like ending point because again we have we're doing two episodes today oh, everybody so. i know i'm well aware of this and our, our second guest he's going to be showing up at about 10 after quarter after guys so if you guys wanted to take a break right now um and like go use the bathroom or get something to drink i don't gotta take a shit or anything so i just need like a couple minutes to refresh my drink Okay, and refresh your tuft of hair. You know, when my wife saw you on screen, Greg, she went, oh, a Cupid doll. Because <laughs> she couldn't tell it was a mohawk because of uh, the way it's coming off the pointed top of your head. Well, I told you my mom calls me a poopy doll because she has dementia. Oh, that's right. I forgot about the poopy doll. She can't doll remember what a Cupid doll is. She says, you're my poopy doll. <laughs> And I was her poopy doll. You were everybody's little... poopy doll, Greg. Yeah, I pooped a lot when I was her little doll. Well, anyway, doll. just to wrap this one up, we had uh, John Velasco on, a music publisher to so many major artists. And um, our client today, briefly, we didn't get into a lot of it, but we got into a bit bottles. of Bottles. That was Hinges, Bottles, and Other Miracles. Here on the law offices of Quibble, Squabble, and Bicker. Your consultation with the law offices of Quiddle, Squabble, and Picker has ended. You may pay your retainer at www.qsblaw.org. Please exit to the right of the water cooler and grab a candy from the front desk. We hope to see you again soon, but you need to leave now. I said leave. Why don't they ever listen? Get out! Get out! <laughs>